0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the huddle, the chillest huddle that's out there. hope
1: everyone's brought some gloves and is getting comfy, as we will start discussing all things cute JPEGs in a moment. Nothing said in the huddle is
0: financial or any kind of advice, and is for entertainment purposes only. And now, let's go!
1: TMTM, TM, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of The Huddle. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Alexandre Raffin, who is the CEO of Gains Associates, the world's first decentralized venture capitalist. Alors, bienvenue, cher Penguin, Alexandre. Wow. <laughs> that, that was this, good. That was good. This is my French. You know, I have like a DALF, Diplôme approfondie de la langue française, C1, but I haven't spoken French like for ages. Anyways, let's speak about your first. So, because in your Twitter profile, you put that you are a six-pack ripped crypto expert. Yet, okay, okay. <laughs> yet, yet, you did choose a penguin that is patchy. As your Twitter profile, Pete, could you tell us a bit more how this came about?
2: Right. I mean, I just love the penguin. I don't know. I was just attracted by it. I love sports. Uh, I've been exercising since you know I was young and I'm just having fun, running around, uh, climbing stuff, whatever. But um, no, the, I love the penguins. Actually, it was a friend of mine who was in NFTs and uh, he told me about it. And I noticed something very specific with NFTs compared to other tokens. I mean, if you really fall in love with them, you it's very addictive. You want to buy more and more. Like, you wouldn't accumulate another token, right? I think NFTs are very powerful because of this reason. They're, you feel closer to them compared to, I don't know, like a random DeFi project, let's say. So, yeah, I just love them.
1: Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think um, NFTs have this emotional component and you get more attached. Whereas it's a bit harder to come at, uh, become attached to a coin. So I, I would think uh, the communities around NFTs will be way stronger than any, any coins. Yeah, for sure. So it seems, coming back uh, to the penguins first, so it seems you bought your first penguin like end of August. And like according to your Twitter, I, I guess you have bought like at least five. And what happened?
2: <laughs>
1: so I, yeah, it becomes addictive, it seems.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take your word. I, I don't remember when I bought my first one, but it's my profile pick. And then I think I have close to 15 now. So, so I bought a lot of penguins. Oh
1: my goodness. So you're yeah. basically a penguin rail.
2: Yeah, maybe, kind of. Um, <laughs> um, I still want to buy a few rare ones. Uh, I mean, I know I need to get a tuft. Uh, for, for sure, and maybe something shiny, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how to to really explain it. I just I really feel like with the punks as well, when the celebrities said they bought them, I mean for the clout and whatever, but also because they were able to relate to them. And when I was scrolling on OpenSea for the penguins or you know any other NFT marketplace, but I could imagine which kind of person would buy which penguin. So I was like, "Hey, this guy would like this penguin because it's uh, it has an Afro cut. This guy would like a penguin because it's sporty." Uh, and so I feel like you can really feel different kinds of personalities that would be attracted to certain kinds of penguins. And uh, and I think you know that all the NFT collections don't have that. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think uh, you once tweeted, penguins are the right mix of cute and I mean business. And I I fully relate to this.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so in a weird way, I was, because I mean, the penguins have been through a lot. And I was wondering, maybe we should just own it totally and push it further. And maybe we should embrace the FUD and, and maybe why not... Cu- meme the fud, right? I mean, and that's what people did with the rugs and, and like maybe be proud of the fud and maybe the fud can become viral. So engineer the fud and, and maybe out of the fud can create FOMO. So, so um yeah, I think that was pretty funny. And it also shows strength and, and how just that was something the artist that came up, it just nailed right. Uh, besides everything, I don't know. A penguin is still a cute, cute penguin, and and they meet business because they stayed around and all that. So, um, yeah, and I, I, I would be very curious to get your take on how to, to approach FUD. How FUD could be positive sometimes if you own it. I think it's very interesting.
1: Well, that's that's a super cool question. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's I mean sometimes I guess I said it already last uh, week. I think. I don't think a lot of communities would have survived the the decree of FUD like the Pachi penguins had to go through because it was basically every week a new FUD. Like I've never, you know, when I bought my first penguin, I think end of July, like I would not, I, I did not know what I did sign up for. And like all I I thought was like, oh my goodness, that's such a cute penguin, you know, and that's so fun and it looks so, so, I don't know, relatable and cheers me up. And then there was like one part after the other and it, it became kind of a roller coaster. And But somehow I think it it brought our community closer together because we survived so many farts. It's like, I mean, I'm not like you, like a Bitcoin or or something. So it's hard for me to compare compare it with bear markets or bear cycles. But I would think like the guys that uh, stick around in, in the bear and still keep going, still keep building. And I think I see the same now with the Pachi penguins, you know. It's um, still everybody is around, they they do their memes and like we do this, we do that. So everything is still going and we are, we are building. And yeah, I think it only makes us stronger, but I don't think it necessarily would have made everyone stronger or every community. I would rather think lots of communities have died because it was just too crazy, the, the amount of fat
2: right i mean it's how you react to it and what comes to mind is special like unknown events right i mean when i go on vacation with friends and i i kind of want things to go bad to some extent i mean i want adventures and so for example there's a vacation i uh, remember as really fun because we had a tire trouble with our car so some people as you said might have reacted by the hey fuck this shit okay we're wasting time we're in the middle of nowhere but actually if you embrace it you you you'll find a solution you try to get people to help you out whatever and it's just a, a nice thing and actually i think you know we need some hurdles to to go through and overcome and and i think that's that's really nice it's kind of the same thing maybe as these projects that during the long bear markets it's it, the team is building but they know it's kind of no use to communicate a lot uh, because you can't fight the trend of the market. And so you have all the weak hands that exist. And so, and I think that's going to be very powerful to get to go to much higher heights. And so, so I think issues and problems are are good, actually.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And also, I think like hopefully in a year's time or somewhere we look back and think, oh my goodness, you remember that there was this thought and that thought and still we... We kept on building and we we had such a strong belief in the Apache penguins and look how we, where we are now. So I I think uh, in hindsight, it will make the most amazing stories actually, because nothing was given and like we had to jump through so many loops and then I think it will make uh, the most amazing kind of underdog stories, you know?
2: Yeah. And I mean, people love underdog stories, right? I mean, it's in sports, in movies. So, so that's a pretty cool story to tell.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I hope that yeah, in a year's time we, we look back and think, oh, my goodness. Unfortunately, because, you know, when, when like the first floods uh, did break out, like lots of people did exit Apache Penguins. And so I think you really have to have strong belief to, to keep up going. And I think that's, that's something positive. And I think this will get us somewhere
2: yeah I mean, if I can say a word about strong belief, so I've been in touch with investors almost every day throughout the last four years with gains. And so I've seen all kinds of people from very, very different levels of wealth, different levels on their journey. And the richest guys are the ones who hold. That's very simple, but very hard to do. And what they do usually is they will take some time to do their initial research. And when that's done, they will not care they, if it goes to zero. It goes to zero or, you know, 100x or 1,000x for them. That's how they see it. And so for me, I many, many days, I don't check the prices at all. It's people that are telling me, hey, this is pumping, this is dumping. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so, it's, so I'm actually quite happy that I talk to so many people because many people... Let their emotions, you know, get in the way of investing, and and emotions are good because I mean emotions are bringing us, you know, a relatable feeling with the penguins, for example. But when it comes to knowing when to sell, when to buy, when to hold or holding, many people fall uh, short, and and they're scared, and and yeah, I, I I would you know hope that more people can be strong because sure some projects will go to zero and you could have saved some money if you cut your losses and and sold a bit sooner but at the same time one project that maybe you sold too soon would have moved and again from experience so maybe that's kind of survivor bias but if you pick the right projects you you definitely need to to hold and to huddle of course
1: yeah, I, I think that is super interesting to explore because, you know, there are two sides. So the one side is like, oh, an investment is a trade gone wrong. And, you know, you you wanted to do a short-term flip, you couldn't, and that's why you you kind of needed to hold longer. And then there is the, the other side that you described. And I think you also tweeted about that. Basically, I think with Amazon, if you look at the stock price, you know, How many would have exited like way, way sooner and would only have um, gotten like a fraction of the profit because of all kinds, either because they thought, oh, it already mooned or because it went down or whatnot. So I do think it's very interesting to um, opt for either or and and then just stick with it and not mingle it, I I would think. But
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, so... Uh, one last thing about this, I read, maybe the best thing I've read this year, it was an article by Oak Tree Capital, and they talked about when to buy, when to sell. And there was, uh, I just found the quote, so I'm going to read it to you. So in the traditional stock market, right, between 1999 and 2018, so roughly 20 years, the annual return on the S&P 500 was 5.6%, but the return would have only been 2% if you had sat out the 10 best days. That's roughly 0.4% of the trading days. So regarding selling, if you try to time the market trades, it's very, very hard and you're just better off staying invested because if, buy, if you're unlucky and you sell, you miss one of the best days, you, you lose a lot of value that the markets create because the markets, historically, they go up more than down. So when you sell, you're actually exposing yourself to volatility that's not going with you in the right direction. And and I've heard many people tell me in the chats, shit, I just sold in, in this morning now, why? So and you don't want to be these guys.
1: Well, that's, that's super interesting. And I also think, you know, there are two different things or two different concepts. One is price and the other thing is value. And, you know, the price might now be like of the purchase, I don't know, 0.9 or whatnot. But if you think this does not reflect the value, why should you sell, you know? And if you believe in like the long-term potential of the project or of any project, you know, if you think, it's basically undervalued according to to price to value ratio. Why why should you sell? So I think it's it's very interesting to not get caught up in all the day to day fad and maybe just have a more long term perspective if possible.
2: Yeah, and I mean something I learned personally with NFTs and I mean I so saw I wasn't into art at all. And I didn't understand like why would people buy all these for so much money. But actually the price is just demand versus supply. Like how many people want it versus how many people don't want it. That's it. So it doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to have a utility or something. And that's very, very hard to wrap your head around. But it is. And maybe to understand it, you need to, to live it, to experience it. So that's why I think so many people don't get NFTs. Because there's a lot of people that are talking about NFTs these days. I mean, even like almost all the the taxi drivers or whatever they, they know roughly the name, but maybe they don't really know what's behind it. But a lot of people have heard of it, but I don't think they really get it. And so people are talking, you know, about mass adoption and things like that. I think we're still quite a long way because people need to feel it in their bones because it is, it is very hard to explain and to get actually.
1: Yeah, I I guess we are kind of, I mean, I feel like all the generations that will come after us, they grow up with NFTs. And I think like once you bought an NFT, then it clicks. But if you did not buy an NFT yet and only do it like from an ivory tower point of uh, perspective, it's really difficult like for, for the older generations, I think. But once you bought it, I think then it kind of becomes addictive and you can see... Oh, this will be like email or website, you know, anything and everything will be an NFT and anybody will, um, will have an NFT or will make use of an NFT. So I think then you really understand uh, the value proposition. But before, I think if you don't buy an NFT, it's really difficult to, to wrap your head around.
2: Yeah, I think Punk 6529 had something very interesting. It was like, it's just a simple question. If you're against NFTs, where well, do you suggest we store our digital assets? And so, uh, right, I mean, you probably don't want a big company to, to hold them for you. It doesn't feel that safe. You, you probably, you want to own them. Um, and that was something also, right? Because, for example, I was thinking, right, should I buy this expensive sports car to have fun or should I rent it? And the financial reality is that most of the time you're better off renting it. Because you actually don't use it that many days of the year and you don't have to deal with all the maintenance and, and all that. But there's a feeling that comes with owning it, right? You own this super cool thing. And that's different than, than renting it. So so you need to to have sovereignty over your your cool art, digital art.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And especially, I mean, if we have a car or something, like how many people see this kind of flex if we wanted to have a flex? But if we have like um, a punk or a penguin, I mean, either it signals that you bought it early, which is super cool, or it, it kind of signals that you may have made it in the space, which is also super cool. So, and lots, lots of like way more people will see it than like what you have in real life. So I think it's it's just much more of, of a flex and much more scalable. Yeah. yeah. So because I think I introduced you, you are like the CEO of Gains Associates, and I think you wrote or it's written, it's the world's first decentralized venture capitalist. So would you like to explain us a bit more about it? And I think also it's. It's already, you have founded it basically four years ago or something. So, yeah, this was a long time ago. So, sure. curious, curious for, for this uh, for this vision. Thanks.
2: I mean, so I, I guess I can walk you through the, the history of it. So, I mean, back in 2018, um, the space was, was really crazy. There were lots of scammers around. And so it was kind of the, uh, the era of pool groups, and um, the ICO crisis, of course. And so there were different stages of the fundraising, right? You have the seed rounds, the private sale, then the public sale. And so to get into these earlier stages of fundraising, usually it's kind of hard if you don't have that much money, if you don't have connections, if you don't have much value to bring as an individual. And so, The very simple but again powerful idea was to pull together the money of dozens, hundreds of people, and then you have a much bigger chunk of money, right? Let's say 100 people put 1k each, you have 100k. And then you can have one person that's in charge of going to to the projects and negotiating. Maybe you have more leverage it's much easier because the project's not going to speak to 100 people they don't have time it's just impossible to do and if you can organize these 100 people to to act as a unit to to help a bootstrap the community right to to like on twitter to spend 5 minutes a day on telegram that's quite powerful and so that's essentially the idea behind it and the name evolved uh, with years so back in the day it was called pools uh, now it's like more fancy DAO or decentralized VC, but it's essentially the same thing. It's like a big role of Oh wait, people.
1: W- wait, so so you are a DAO now? Because I, I thought you're not a DAO yet.
2: No, no, we're not a DAO yet. Uh, DAO, to be honest, is a marketing term. We would like to, to evolve toward this, uh, but it's not easy. You have to figure out the right incentives. Because you, you it's, it's of course a trade-off. There's power in giving voice to people, uh, making them feel more engaged. but also it kind of it can slow things down. It can be hard to take decisions. So so I all the projects evolve from something centralized to slowly giving more control to the community if that's on their roadmap, but that's not something you can make happen just like that. It's actually quite hard.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I find it super interesting because you know I'm co-contributor in seven to one DAO and we are a community-based investment DAO and we basically invest in in the same projects you invest. And like we did invest insiders, cross the ages, cyber trade, gates of eternity. So and you've been so active in the space, like in every pitch deck we get, you're basically already in some kind. So it's very exciting to see. And I mean, I I love DAOs. I think it's very good. And I think also from a game theoretical point of view, it more aligns your personal incentive structure with like the macro incentive structure. But um I, I think I mean it's not that we had like DAOs for a long time so i think it's kind of like democracy where you really have to figure out what's the perfect or what's not the perfect but what's a good working structure um to yeah to to get the best out of it so that's that's my view on it but i'd yeah. love to hear yours
2: yeah no i mean it's it's a very hard and powerful question if you if you Take, at the big, take a look at the bigger picture. What's the best way to organize humans to make decisions and create value for the society so that everyone lives better lives? And I'm not sure we have answered this question. I mean, we had, uh, you know, some kind of democracy back in the Romans, with, in Athens. Then we had all kinds of political structures throughout the, the times. Uh, you know, maybe in times of war, you, you decide differently. Um, and I, I I don't have the answer to this question. I think DAOs are very new. And so we, we kind of, it's interesting, but maybe we, we need to also be careful at some points. Um, and I I asked CZ actually uh, in Dubai, uh, I met him, um, what do you think of DAOs decentralized VCs? And uh, I mean, in a classic, you know, uh, Asian Chinese answer, uh, a bit top down, he said that's, in his opinion, it's a very interesting concept, but um, a benevolent dictator um, would be able to make things go faster uh, because, he, again, you can make decisions faster. So, so I think you know there's no right answer. We're all kind of figuring out how to organize things, and and again, if you take a look at the bigger picture, Web three is we're just reorganizing um, value transfer, uh, how we talk socially, and so we need to to find the right incentives, the right structures uh, for all that. And I mean, that's, that's a huge market. That's basically the entire digital market. Uh, so that's certainly very interesting questions, but not easy ones.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not easy. And I read uh, one quote of Balaji where he said, in our century, everybody becomes an investor. If in the 20th century, uh, only 99% were labor and the 1% were capital, The flip happens under the century where the 99% are capital and the 1% are labor. And I think from this point of view, I I do think DAOs make a lot of sense, but obviously there, there is a lot of building that needs to be done. And obviously there are lots of experiments, what works, what does not work, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it slows things down and also... Because basically, instead of one person making everything, you really engage the community, and so you have. I think it's way better to scale because lots of people can then help you to achieve a goal. But um, yeah, it's 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 um, it's definitely uh, um, interesting to see how how it will go. That's very where, where, where it will go. Like I personally think. DAOs might flip LACs at some point, but I might be too, I don't know, too future-minded here.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes we're a bit ahead of our time. Um, no, I, I that was really interesting what you said, that everyone is or is going to become an investor. I don't remember the exact numbers, but essentially the how the wages compared to how the stock market go up. Well, it's no comparison. The wages go up very slowly, and I mean, compared to inflation, like you're, you're basically getting fucked. But investments, the stock market, I mean, crypto, go up much, much more. So, so you actually need to to be an investor if you want to keep up with value creation and and also the rising cost of life. So, so yeah, and it's it's also why I'm very bullish on on those investments. Um, the, the GME story, right, GameStop was very powerful. Um, and I think there's, there's more and more events globally that show us that the, the people in place have power and they're not afraid to use it, um, arbitrarily just for their own gain and people are slowly waking up. Um, and, and I think, you know, with time, uh, we, they will come and use, um, transparent structures with the right incentives on chain, you can see things. Um, so, so this is why I'm very bullish and and it's also, it's just very nice, right? I mean, if, how many people could we help live better lives if they were better off financially? Um, in crypto, there's just people, people don't understand because it's, it's almost, they want to get angry sometimes when you tell them like the numbers in crypto, right? If you tell them even a 10 X, they, some, some people would. They don't want to believe you. They're just so stuck in a belief system in putting their money in the bank and earning 2% interest a year or whatever. And so I can understand, right? If, I mean, if you, uh, you know, they're, they're like, hey, how easy do they have it? I have to work and, but um, it is possible and, and if we can make that kind of switch, but it's very hard for people to, to accept something different, change takes time, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think also people um, are resistant to change and resistant to innovation. And obviously, like a uh, decentralized currency, I mean, this will make lots of people maybe lose their job, like banks and all the middlemen. So there's middlemen. So there are a lot of people who um, who have to say that they are against it because it might go against uh, their job or whatnot. So I I do understand where they are coming from, but I think there is so much value creation in the space. And I think this will ultimately
2: a win. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when you said, you know, losing their jobs, I mean, there's certainly two worlds uh, colliding, um, but uh, that made me think of all the people in the Philippines and, other countries in Southeast Asia um, that left their job actually didn't lose them but on purpose to play Axie because I know you wanted to talk about GameFi and um, yes yes please <laughs> and and I, I mean so so crypto has some good and, and I mean but we it, it's evolving so fast and I mean it's also using the most visceral human emotions right I mean let's not face it greed and, and FOMO, fraud right I mean you I, I don't think you've been in crypto if you if you haven't felt something deep in your stomach, right? Um, and and so all these guys, they left their jobs, they, they played Axie. And now, I mean, I, maybe these are kind of strong words, but I think they are true. Um, they're true. That kind of it wasn't it was close to a Ponzi because um, there's no free lunch. You can't create value out of thin air that much. Um, and so. The the returns, I mean, where is the money coming from, right? I mean, if all these guys, they make tens or even hundreds of dollars, I don't know, they want to sell the tokens because they need the money to live. So who's going to buy the token so that it doesn't crash? And for a time, right, when you're uh, on the ascending uh, direction and so many new people are buying it, sure, it's like a Ponzi, the newcomers buy and, and the existing guys can exit thanks to the liquidity. But at some point, there's a finite number of people. And so people are going to stop buying because you have exhausted all the people you can easily convince to to buy your NFTs, buy your token to get in the game. And so you're in a situation where you still have the guys that have to sell daily because they live off of it. And then you have much fewer people that are buying in and then things crash. So you have to reduce the money these guys make. And then at some point it goes below the way they had their traditional job, and so they go back to their traditional job. And so, I mean, more broadly, I think, you know, GameFi was very interesting. It's still very interesting, but they have a big issue to solve, which is the sustainability issue. And and I think, I mean, the current way is, they, they know it's unsustainable at start. The rewards are, are much bigger. It's just to attract new people. And then at some point they will go down. But for the guys that do this, the scholars, then they kind of have to always hop on the next game and play always in the very first month where the rewards are abnormally high. And so this doesn't feel that sustainable. But, um, and so, and just to, to conclude, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I think in most play to earn games are kind of shit. And so I would very much like uh, companies to focus on the games first, and have play and earn. Right, you you enjoy the game, and then maybe you earn. But right now, all these guys um, earn first, and and it's kind of a job for them. I don't think they, they enjoy it that much, which should be the the reason of a game, why the game exists. And and lastly, right? I mean, even if you try to to get money with ads. Let's say you have a lot of traffic, a lot of players, like Axie does, right? Millions of players. These guys don't have money. So even if you display ads for them, they're not gonna buy a coffee machine. They're not gonna buy whatever ad you wanna put in front of them. So so I'm not sure if you can even extract value out of your user base, um, which is kind of an issue. So so I'm very curious how, all these play-to-earn games are going to, to keep on existing and evolving.
1: Oh, that's that's definitely something super interesting to uh, explore. And I mean, it, it all depends. I think Axie was like the first generation play-to-earn and now there are coming lots of game studios that are the second generation. And they make it free to play to begin with, And then obviously if you wanted like some cosmetic items to um, enhance your experience, okay, this costs money, but other than this, you can already start to play uh, because it's free. And I I very much like this approach. So I think it's just evolving and the um, tokenomics and everything is evolving. So um, I, I, I'm I'm rather bullish on on all things GameFi, and I think it's very interesting. And I um, I don't understand why you should not um, get paid, or you know why should you just play for fun? I think it's actually more interesting if you have to lose something. Like um, last week, I did an AMA with Cybertrade, and they have they have one. Um, One, um, how to say, game mechanics that basically, if you win over a player, then you, then this other player dies, and uh, you can you can decide what you do with this NFT. So basically, you can you can burn this NFT or not, you know. And so, a certain kind of NFT becomes more and more rare. And I just think if something is at stake. Like your NFT for which you may have uh, paid money, you know, it it makes it more real instead of if you just play and maybe okay if you're a professional player and do esports or whatnot too. But who will be like professional? Hardly anybody. So I think I, I think it's it's more realistic actually. So I I uh, do very much like it.
2: Well, I mean, I so it's it's interesting, but. It's also a bit weird um, because you kind of lose something. I mean, you you don't win, you lose. So when you lose, you already lost something. You lost by not winning. And I mean, like, would you, like, if you extend that to, I don't know, for example, races or anything, would you have people, you know, stake something when they participate, Um, like, you know, maybe the just wanting to win or wanting not to lose is already something enough at stake. Um, and I was um, there was a book, I can't remember the title, but the author name was Sandal. and he was talking about how money can change um, the vibe and, and how we look at things. And there were a lot of examples in the book, but two that I remember were um, so schools and parents tried to encourage and incentivize their children to read more books. And so they tried to to pay them to read books. And so, right, they had to, to show that they read the book, so they had to write a short summary, whatever, and, and they paid them very small amount, but still, and for some children, it worked, but there were a very, there was a very serious concern, which was that children need to, to read books and to enjoy books for themselves. If they are motivated by money, they're never fully gonna enjoy the love of reading for itself. Um, And so for some, it can work. It can be a nice push to to make them appreciate it and then read books on their own without getting paid. But for some, it can actually put it forever or for some time in a bad place, like a job. And and maybe you don't really love your job, right? Job might be um, connoted negatively and then you're not gonna like books. Um, And the second example was uh, it was a poll about I believe a town in Switzerland, and they had radioactive waste um and they they needed to to build some kind of recycling factory, right for uh, radioactive waste. And so that's maybe a bit dangerous. And the poll, the question was asked two different ways. The first way was um just explaining the issue. so hey, we um we produce um, radioactive energy, whatever, nuclear energy. Um, and, uh, we have waste, we need to recycle it. Um, it's gonna be near our town. Are you okay if it's built there? And people felt a sense of responsibility of community. It does have to be built somewhere. And so, um, a majority of people said yes. If you ask the same question and then you say, Hey, you're going to also be paid 5k then people start getting scared. They're like, why are we getting paid? It must be very dangerous. Um, and so sometimes money can actually kind of corrupt the incentives. And so I'm, I'm wondering, right, if um, paying people to play games, making them stake things, um, if it's changing things in a bad way, maybe um, for, for some, it might be okay. I'm not sure. But it, it is definitely a question to to ask yourself.
1: Oh, that is very interesting because you because the thing is you always have like two motivations or you, you can categorize into inherent motivations and in uh or intrinsic motivations and, and instrumental motivations. And uh intrinsic motivations are way stronger. Like they can push you way harder than than any instrumental ones, but um yeah, so sometimes a mix of both might make sense or sometimes, um, yeah, I, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's mutually exclusive, but I think it's very interesting to, to think about it. Obviously, if you enjoy something, that's the best foundation. And um, maybe then you are also the most successful. And then if on top you enjoy it and you're good and make money, then it's maybe even better.
2: Yeah, Uh, I mean, the the reality has shown that it it does work quite well for play to run projects. It it does create huge network effects. So um, there might be something in between to do. But yeah, I mean, as you said, the intrinsic motivation is the strongest one. So if the game is fun, that should be enough, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So between we are now almost at the forty-five minute mark and I'm seeing we have here some French patches. We have Fifi in the audience. Coucou Fifi, come on, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so Fifi, would you like to come up on stage and say something? Any French Lou, we have Lou here. I just invite you all up on stage. Um we have Praty. Bridie. is into gaming, so this would be interesting. Don't be shy. Um, so I don't know. I, I just try to... Also, if you have any questions from the audience, please raise your hand so I can I can pull you
2: up. Oh, and by the way, something actually interesting um, recently, I think Jack from Twitter and also Elon Musk, they're um, asking questions about, you know, how not to be corrupt, but the censorship, the, the cancellation in social media um, that you can't say whatever you want. And and I'm very curious how that's going to evolve. Um, and we are also building a social network, but for memes. So it's going to be very similar to, to 9gag or, or to TikTok or, or just Instagram, but instead of, you know, having travel pictures, you'll have memes. Um, and, and I'm talking about it because memes, you know, also unite us just like NFTs do, um, and, and I think that can be quite powerful. Uh, so, so I'm also very curious about the, the future of social media. And it's not an easy question because you're like, we we want people to allow people to talk about anything, but then there are things that are clearly not okay, right? Like uh, child porn or whatever, something super violent. So where do you draw the line? Um, it's always kind of a hard question, but anyway, I see some people are here, so
1: yeah, i I agree. I mean, I think um, the, basically, we have with seven to one down we have invested in one um in one project that builds upon um social so already existing social media platforms, uh, which might which might be very good because you're not leaving anything, and then you can decide what you what you keep or not but um because you just raised two things at once and both are very exciting to explore and then with regards to memes yeah i think basically memes are everything and um at one point elon musk tweeted those who ruled a Memes fool the world or something, and I completely yeah. agree. And I think, by the way, that's also why Pachi penguins are so successful, because they are ultra memeable. And with this, I think I would love to welcome Fifi and Space Monk up on stage. Cuckoo. Share Fifi. GM. GM, GM. would you like to say something in your new Gucci suit? It looks very cool.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm very proud of it, like... And I picked it the right colors to fit the real Fifi, you know.
1: (laughs) It looks so cool. And by the way, I think Fifi is based in Paris and Alexandre um, is based in Paris. So here we have already like a Apache Alliance. Yeah, and I think
3: we should do Pudges in Paris one day. Like maybe Alexandre and I, we can work things out to welcome like as many Pudges as possible, you know.
2: Yeah, sounds good, sounds good. Maybe like we do an event at the beach or something, Paris Paris Plage or I don't know. Oh yeah,
3: (laughs) that could be fun.
1: Oh my goodness, I hope it's also possible to come as a London-based party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It sounds very exciting.
3: Europe should be united in Paris for a fun day.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think we have lots of um, lots of friends, French Pachi penguins in the community, by the way, which is uh, super, super cool. Because I, I remember I wrote something in French in the Discord and then basically out of a sudden I got like lots and lots of replies and it was like, oh gosh, I wasn't aware. Like we had, I don't know, 10, 20 uh, Pachis, uh, French speaking
3: French. Yeah, I punches. think we have uh, people from Quebec also, so they speak French and... I think, yeah, a lot of people it, like French. And it's interesting because in many NFT communities, you don't have that many French people. Maybe coming back to the Pudges being like universal, they because we are being a bit picky with art, I would say, <laughs> as French people. So
1: Yeah, because you had so much good art, you know. It's like, oh my goodness, the museums in, in France are like the artists from France. Yeah, was, It's like, oh my goodness, it's like you set the bar very high.
3: Exactly. So there are many, like... Projects we don't feel uh, really uh, like interested about because of the art, which is sometimes stupid. Because the communities are great, but uh projects they work for everyone, so
0: <laughs> it's perfect.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I don't know, space, uh, space, monk would you like to to say something?
0: Yeah, yeah, I wanted to say. Uh, I think one of the thoughts that you had about you know video gaming and kind of the purity there, where we're bringing in a lot of p2e mechanisms and i I think that's kind of the thing that i've been seeing and kind of the reason why I'm, i'm building as well is that i think there's kind of a line where we get to where you know p2e ends up being nice for some pieces of games but when it becomes the end all and be all and the reason why people play the game rather than the gameplay i think to me as like a I guess a video game purist, It kind of hurts my heart a little bit seeing that.
1: I just clicked on your profile and apparently you're you're um you're doing an MMORPG. That's yeah. exciting. That's very exciting.
0: Yeah, we've been building uh since January and uh
1: I think uh, honestly guys Pachy penguins are so smart. Like let's like let's all oh, I mean, oh my goodness. So, yeah, would you would you like to tell us more about it, Space Monk? Sorry to interrupt you, I just got too excited. Oh, by no, the no. Smart, no. By the smartness of, of just...
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love the community and that everybody has, you know, something great to offer. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I, I guess one day when I was having a beer, I, I had an idea. And, uh, you know, essentially, I, I've loved video games my whole life and is one of those things where I grew up playing World of Warcraft. And I think like a lot of people in the space where you see, you know, you have that value in video games, but you want to bring it back to the community a little bit. And so seeing what people have done with NFTs, but wanting to keep the basis of the game as combat based as, you know, I want to build something that people want to play, regardless if you make a cent or not, right? And so that's kind of the whole ethos of of what we're creating is a turn-based sort of strategy, uh, MMORPG. So the focus will be the gameplay, the focus will be the story, the lore, and then there might be, you know, there pieces kind of coming to that where you can make some some money. There's no promise to that utility, but it's almost like skins in Fortnite, right? If you could sell those between people, but having a little bit different uh, ethos to the actual game. So the focus will be the game and not the NFTs, but the NFTs have utility.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, if people play the game to earn, as you said, you already lost and, and slowly, but surely you're going to go down. So (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. And and that's one of the things that I I hope I, I see changing with, with kind of the tides of people investing in projects and seeing. Kind of that. Well, either it's dumped on somebody. Not that that's the purpose, or, or even the thought of the founders, but that we can keep, you know, that that joy of games kind of in there, and then providing value to everyone who's involved.
2: Oh, by the way, um, we are also working very, very closely with a gaming project about chess, and I'm quite excited for it because I mean the team is super strong, and also because it's the first chess crypto project and the chess community is like super big. It's like an OG game right? I mean 2,000 years ago. Um, and and very quickly the concept is that um, nfts are pieces and they bring side quests. So you still have to win the game, but if you manage to complete one or several side quests, then you get some tokens as rewards and the quest they they need to be feasible but also kind of hard so for example it could be something like move that piece three times in a row which doesn't happen that often usually you move different pieces at different turns um or you know keep that piece alive or. Um, don't move that piece backwards or whatever. There's there's ton of quests. And so um, that's a pretty cool project. Um, if there's any chess fans around here, I just wanted to, to talk about it.
1: Yeah, this sounds super, super cool. And I mean, chess is, as you said, it's kind of an OG game. I think the Persians I- I invented it, or at least they mostly claim they invented it every time I'm speaking with a Persian. Um, so that's that's exciting. And that's a, that's a game that Lots of people enjoy playing and have been enjoy playing for, for centuries. So that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking, um, do we have any more questions or thoughts from the audience? Or uh, Fifi, would you like to say something? You look so cool, by the way, in your Gucci. It's like you look I mean, you look so fashionable. I kind of missed this Gucci thing. Somehow I, I missed it and now yeah, I don't know. I feel less fashionable as you, uh, Fifi. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. Like I, I already loved the, the makeup one and now this, like, like I, I feel like I'm changing the clothes of my penguin. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think this shows us also like all the options, like you identify with your penguin and now you can dress and can dress stylishly. I think there are so many options uh, with, with PFPs.
3: Yeah, and I think it's amazing for penguins that we were, like, included in this project when we're not in our best moment, but still, like, they had to keep the penguins.
1: (laughs) Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So now we have, by the way, we have the naked holder up on stage who is also a fellow penguin, TMTM.
4: GM, Caroline. Um, thanks for hosting the spaces, by the way. And uh, sorry, I, I arrived in a little bit late there. I thought I'd be home <laughs> that bit earlier. Um, so I just caught the tail end of it when Alexandra was speaking. I'm not a big gamer myself. It's Gaming is just something I've just recently gotten into. Um, And I'm not sure if even the games that I would play would be considered by many people um, as actually gaming. But I do agree with um, what you were talking about, intrinsic motivation. If you have a game or if you've anything, if you're marketing anything at all and you can establish that sort of intrinsic motivation, you can, you can get that in someone where it's kind of, there's, it's personally rewarding for that person to play that game, that it it goes beyond kind of basic needs or, or financial needs. I think, you know, that's where you want to be when it comes to gaming and when it really comes to anything. The thing is, um, I kind of caught the tail end of it and I I heard about kind of reading a book uh, versus gaming. Um, Myself, I'm not too sure if... You know, if you could say bribe a child into reading a book and say, well, listen, I'll give you, you know, 10 euro or something if, if you read this book versus kind of the, the game, the games nowadays where I, I think a lot of the time if there's play to earn within a game now and you kind of are earning money and the money within the game can be used in the game to kind of to you know buy armor or you know buy by by kind of gadgets that you would need to enhance your experience within the game um I, I i always think you know that's something um that's that's pretty cool i have a couple of nieces and i I probably, I probably shouldn't mention this but they've recently um you know started playing roblox so that would that would be my frame of reference which isn't a great frame of reference when it comes to gaming but what I find that they really like is um the idea of earning dollars in the game and then being able to use that dollar to kind of, you know, buy things or enhance their experience within the game. And um, that's that's all I wanted to say. And again, sorry, I, I tuned in late there, so I, I'm, I'm going to listen to the
1: spaces later on as well thank you cyborg thank you so much for your comment and yeah it's it's super interesting and i think there is kind of an infinite number how you combine it like intrinsic and instrumental motivation and then like different combinations might speak to different people so and i think it's 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 a very exciting time to to observe how games are evolving and and see what works uh, well, what works uh, less, and, and all these things. And I mean, the, the gaming market, it's apparently we already have like 2.5 billion people into video games. So that's a lot of people. And it's like way bigger than like NFTs or anything. At least NFTs yet is like tiny compared to the gaming market. So I think also there, there might be lots of innovation that comes and, might uh, spill over to, to other industries. What's what's your take on it, Alexandra? Are you are you rather bullish,
2: or what are your thoughts? I think it's going to evolve. I think big companies are going to come in and produce amazing games that we really love. And and I think you know it's going to be a switch in the economies. And and I'm I'm not exactly sure um, how if there's going to be some kind of distance, because we, because the current play to earn projects, they're made by people in crypto. So when they're made by people not in crypto, maybe the games are going to be real fun, but I'm not sure if there's going to be that feeling because sometimes maybe you, you kind of feel close to people. So, But I think it's, it's still going to evolve in a positive way. Um, I think there's still a lot of bad shit to flush uh, if we're going to be real. Because in crypto, I mean, everything goes up and down too much. So because it's emotion driven or whatever, it always goes up too much and then it corrects and it always goes down too much and then it corrects. So um, I think play to earn went up way, way, way too much. And so it's going to come down still, I think. Doesn't mean, you know, some games can't go up, but I think the overall trend is going to be a bit down. Especially for the very, very big ones. I don't think they can be that big because I, I took a look at the numbers when I mean month, months ago when Axie was so big, billions of dollars. And I was I, I tried the game Axie because I needed to see for myself what it was about. And I've played I don't know, I've played a lot of games and and I didn't really find fun at all. I, I asked my brother to try it out. I asked a few friends. Nobody really liked it. Um, I mean, it's not like we disliked it, but we didn't. It was the game we would have played if it wasn't for the tokens. And so, I don't think that's just sustainable. So, so for that reason, I think these these games that aren't fun are just gonna go down. And and that might be the single question you should ask yourself if you're looking to invest in a play to earn game: Is it fun? So so yeah, I hope companies are going to make fun games because, I mean, that's just what games should be.
1: Oh, that is super, super interesting. And uh, maybe on the back of it, but slightly different topic, because you say, oh, it goes up too much, goes down too much. What do you think uh, of the Board Ape uh, Yard valuation? Because basically for their seat round... They are already valued at four billion. That is their seed, and actually, you might even talk of pre-seed because I'm not sure if these guys have ever raised anything before. And yeah, I'm not aware of any other startup that uh, I don't know was valued at four billion in the seed round, um, and also within I don't know a year or less than a year.
2: Yeah. I mean, the word CDs is pretty funny for sure. Um, so so something I wanted to say about just the, the games and Axie. So so just the valuations, right? Ubisoft and other behemoth game companies, they sometimes were valued at a few billion, but Axie was valued at like 10 billion or more. And so I was like, this is complete madness. I tried this game. It's like a random flash game, whatever. I mean, sure, they are kind of cute, whatever. But there's a few game mechanisms, but... Compare that to a game that's beautiful, that has depth, that is made by hundreds of professionals and open world with storylines. And I mean, it's just worlds apart, yet Axie was valued more. And so I think that's it's not good or bad. It's just a signal that network effects and, and marketing are very powerful and potent, especially in crypto. And that's just the consequence of it. But as an investor, you need to, to be aware of those and, and kind of put things in, con- in context and take a look at what the real world valuations are. And, you know, are we losing our mind, right? I mean, why is that uh, so big and, and can it continue? And, and I think the answer is no. Um, but to, to go back to, to the valuation. So first of all, something more general. I've seen lots of valuations uh, when investing, of course, and in the bull market, uh, you see of crazy that more crazy evaluations of course but as if you put yourself in the place of a founder the right strategy for me is almost always to structure the deal as a bargain for the investor you don't want to raise at the exact valuation your your worth if you could ever calculate that um because then The investor need to be really motivated and and to feel like they're getting a good deal. So in my experience, the projects that were kind of greedy and maybe raised more at a higher valuation, sure, they have a lot of money, they save equity or whatever tokens, but usually they don't get the support of the investors as much as they would have if they were more humble, more conservative in the valuation. So I, I hope that's not going to play out bad for these guys. But 4 billion is certainly quite a big valuation. And I mean, the the capital, the people behind that invest in those, they're not the same people that invest in what we invest in at Games, for example. It's kind of the same thing for me, even though I believe Bitcoin, right? I'm bullish on Bitcoin, but I don't own Bitcoin. Why? Because for me, it's too safe and too big. Sure, I see Bitcoin do 2x, 3x, 5x, maybe in a few years, but I want more. And I I know I can do more by investing in something smaller. So would I invest in Bored Apes right now? I mean, probably not. Sure, it, it was valued at 4 billion, might be 8 billion in a year, but that's like 2x. So I think it makes sense if you have a lot of capital to allocate. Because then you need something big in order to have rounds worth tens of millions or hundreds of millions. Um, But for smaller people, I think you should invest in things that are a bit smaller. I mean, it's always about diversification, right? But um, I think it's like big funds, people who have a longer time horizon and have a lot of money to place.
1: Oh, this is a very, very interesting take. and. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I mean, the thing is, Bot Apes, they are maybe the most well-known PFP, like even beyond the NFT space. So they are really like maybe the first brand and the first decentralized brand. They might now go and, I don't know, hunt for other PFP projects where they can buy the IP. I don't know their, um, their vision and what they want to do. But, I mean, they could become a Disney. Um, So it's definitely super interesting. But then, on the other hand, it's crazy. I mean, if I go on Coinbase, they have like what they have. Let me see, so I don't misquote anything. Uh, They have basically a market cap of 2.9 billion uh, sterling. Let me see if I can do this in USD. Um, so yeah, and that's already crazy. So as you said, um, where where does it go from here? Um, so yeah, it's it, it's very interesting to see this. And I mean, I hope personally that um, that they become kind of like Disney, uh, because at some point I want I want Web three brands buying Web two brands, and not vice versa. But uh, it's crazy, but I think also it shows like the potential of the space. I mean, that's a brand that was built within a year and um, yeah, so it's, it's crazy.
2: I mean, it is crazy for sure. And big congrats to them. And and I heard there's a movie uh, going on and so many things, collaborations with People in the music industry, in in so many industries, I'm sure. Um so so maybe it's, you know, we're always uh thinking uh, so GameFi, one of the good things of GameFi was that somehow it was kind of a Trojan horse to onboard gamers to crypto. Uh so maybe NFTs and, and um can be a Trojan horse to to onboard more people uh through Movies, um, songs, whatever, um, art. So, so hopefully yeah, you know anything um, creative, anything where value is is created. That, that's good.
1: Uh, yeah, this is this is an interesting take, and I I completely agree. This because now we get all like the movie stars and whatnot into and to NFTs and crypto. So this might really be the Trojan horse. And I think that's also a very interesting outlook uh, to wrap it up uh, for today. Um, because, yeah, I, I mean, the, the the space has so much potential, and um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the last question is: Do you think we are early or or late?
2: I think, I think we're on the late side of being early. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, wow. This is <laughs> this is kind
2: of an oxymoron almost, but... Uh, so I think we're still early, but you're not going to be early for so long.
1: Oh, well, wow. Okay. Okay. So you basically think 2022 is the year where everything becomes mainstream?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Very soon. Maybe 23, but yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Super, super interesting. Yeah. I would think uh, now because I don't see any more questions... So I think we we now wrap it up. Um so thanks so much to to all the audience and uh thank you very much to to uh, um like all the people that came up uh, on stage and especially to Fifi and uh yeah a big big thank you Alexandre um for for taking the time today uh and and uh yeah for for answering our questions and explaining us why, uh, how you came upon Pachi penguins. This was very interesting um, to know. And yeah, I hope, uh, I hope there will be a Pachi penguin Paris. uh, I don't know, party, beach party or something. Uh, I can't wait for the invite. So yeah, very excited. And thank you so, so much.
2: Well, thanks for hosting. Um, was a super cool conversation. I had no idea where it would go, but uh, uh it was fun. For sure we will do something in Paris. If you want to check out gains, you know, don't hesitate. Uh, we do cool investments. We're also going to publish an article uh, very soon about all the returns, all the deals we did in 2021. So, uh full transparency, everything. Uh so you have the hard data uh, to check out what we do. Um, And also, I was, you know, maybe thinking if we would make some collabs with NFT collections and probably thinking about the penguins first. Uh, So maybe some perks for the penguins. Uh, We we haven't decided on any specifics, but uh, that might be something cool. So so anyway, thank you for uh, hosting. Good vibes, good conversations. Really nice.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And and please, everybody, follow Alexandre if you haven't uh, yet. And also, please, everybody, follow Gaines Associates. So you get to learn something. And um, yeah, let's let's brainstorm how we can collaborate and um, create value for the Apache penguins. Oh, Fifi, you're so sweet. And yeah, let's also do a Apache penguin party in Paris. So very excited.
2: Sounds good. Bring yes. the same fits.
1: Yes. <laughs> so very merci more. And yeah, have a lovely Sunday and uh, speak soon.
2: Bye
0: bye.
1: Bye bye.